Lord God, we thank you for your presence as you live as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your word makes it so clear. You are one God, and, and you are with us today to call us together as your people, uh, to be one in unity, uh, that the world might know who you are as a living Savior. We thank you for that truth. We thank you for that calling. And we thank you and celebrate the many ways, Lord, you are having that your way among us as your people in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. You know, it was about almost exactly three years ago that we had opportunity to launch a new mission and vision as a St. John family. Uh, and it, it is in Jesus becoming one, reaching many. Very familiar to many of you. Um, and many of you might even be able to say, I know where in God's word that mission motto and mission vision comes from. It's from John chapter, what would you say? I heard a few. That was not a resounding. John 17, right? We, we read those words in John 17, 20 through 23. Jesus' prayer, um, right before he's arrested to go the way of the cross, what's on his mind? His prayer is for future believers. His prayer is that they would be one as God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. And of all the things that we've said many times here, of all the things that could have been on Jesus' mind and heart that day, that night, it was that the future church would be one, together. And as we've learned, a lot was riding on that prayer, that as God's people are one, so in that unity, in that oneness, the world would come to know Him as Lord and Savior. Our witness, our testimony in Jesus is tied up in that oneness of God's presence over our lives. And when that presence of God has its way, there is unity among God's people. It's a, it's a fruit of that. It's a, a result of God's work among his people is that they would be one. We've been excited to, to be part of this and just to see how God is having His way among us. Part of the expression of that oneness in God and in Christ is, is what's that look like in the different facets of ministry here at St. John? And uh, you've maybe seen this graphic before. It's our strategic directions, um, eight of them, and, and they all branch out in different directions and yet united with Jesus, the cross at the center of what is our, our, our testimony in God? How is God having His way among us? And there are many facets of that. We're not going to get into all of these today. I've done that in the past. You, you've maybe reflected on them before. Um, but you know, part of this is uh, working with our, our, our vestry, which for those not uh, familiar with what's vestry, it's like a board of directors, uh, an advisory accountability board that for our ministry team and, and raising up ministry here at St. John, we continually search and pray, Lord, uh, how would you lead us in this coming year? And, and how would we raise up your people uh, to follow that mission and ministry that God has given us here at St. John? And, and in all these different strategic directions, uh, we prayerfully seek God's leading and, and come up with goals and measures, spirit goals and goals and measures that only God can accomplish. And say, Lord, what would you do through us in this coming year? And, and it's always exciting, I think, to see how God brings many of those things. We, we haven't hit all of them. But to see how God works among his people in, in very clear ways and clear, very clear purposes. Um, 
Just think of continually how God is blessing us in worship here. Um, we do worship really well at St. John. And, and in traditional praise, modern praise, and how God continues uh, to grow us as his people through worship. Um, and not just in numbers, growing in our understanding of what worship is, and, and a heart for worship, as Jesus talked about, in spirit and in truth. Those are the worshipers our Father seeks, and how God is having his way in worship, or, or biblical discovery, continually having a hunger for God's word, and seeing that manifest itself here at St. John. And, one of my favorite moments this year in terms of getting people into God's Word, and it happens every week, whether it's on Sunday mornings, whether it's throughout the week in small groups, large groups, and there's many, many opportunities to do so. One of my favorite moments, bar none, was something new that happened this year. On a Sunday morning at 9.30, when in the gymnasium, we had 170 people opening the Bible, the Scriptures together, inter intergenerationally. We had 6th, 7th, and 8th graders preparing for their first communion with their parents, with grandparents, in the same room together, 170 people for those weeks of that study. And I'm looking around the room and I'm realizing many of these families and parents hadn't been in Bible studies before. And, and we were hearing these comments after the class, this was really good. And we're talking about this at home and, and we're growing together as a family. And, and that's just really incited more ideas of how can we continue to think intergenerationally when it comes to engaging in God's word beyond, above and beyond what we're already doing and looking ahead to what that might look like for the future. Uh, with Steve Wilson's help as our new director of child and family ministry, who's been doing an amazing job with that. You know, those one example. Or thinking about how God has blessed us drawing new people as we continue to reach out with His love into our community and, and area. And, um, this past year, um, over 80 adults became part of the St. John family, along with over 40 children that came along with those adults. Um, we're going to be at, at year's end here, going to have baptized four adults and over 39 children. And uh, you think about how exciting that is in, in God's word and, and washing in the word and the sacrament of baptism, drawing people to know him and, and people confessing his name and walking together in faith. This is an exciting place to be and in a very exciting time as God is having his way among us. And, and our primary mission to our community through our school mission and our school ministry and how God is having his way there in, in enrollment that continues to grow year after year. That's an exciting thing. And, and, and sometimes we can take that for granted of how special that is. I've had people say, well, that's because other schools have closed. You know what? <laughs> if you look at the numbers of who is coming in the door in our growing school, it's people from the community at large that are hearing about our school and they're making that part of their lives. They want to be part of our community. It's exciting stuff to see. You know, God is having his way among us in very special ways. And uh, as you look at these strategic directions, as you think about Jesus' prayer for us as his people, his church called St. John Lutheran Church and School, and the fulfillment of that, and in Jesus becoming one, reaching many, one of the great things about that passage of Scripture and, and that mission and ministry God has given us is that the Scriptures, they lift that up all over the place. 
That idea and that desire that God's people would be one and, and fulfill our calling in Christ, it's everywhere. One of my favorite places, I want to open scripture with you now. We're going to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen. I want you to open the Bible with me at this time. Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 21, first of all. And I mentioned the goals and measures. And you know, one of our, our desire every year is, Lord, have your way among us. Do what only you can do. This is not about us being strategic enough or being smart enough or being... You know, brilliant enough in planning. Ultimately, if anything's going to get accomplished around here as a ministry, it's got to be by God's doing, not of our doing. And, and I love what Paul reminds us of, of where it all comes from, the source of it all in any, any ministry, any carrying out of faith and, and witness and testimony in Jesus. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And, if you have it, let's read it together here. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now stay there. Don't, don't close the Bible. You think about that, that incredible promise. Now, Paul's wrapping up an incredible section where he's praying that God would have his way more and more in the lives of his people, that their hearts and lives would be open to realize how huge the presence and the love of Almighty God really is. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it has its way in the lives of broken, hurting, sinful people, can transform our future. And you combine that with individuals being impacted by the love of Jesus. And when you bring the church together, nothing isn't possible. See how I used the two negatives there? I didn't say nothing is possible. I said nothing isn't possible. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think I did. That nothing can stop God when he wants to accomplish something. Oh, I, I know, we can get in his way, we can put up a fuss, we can try to take our own agendas, or, or try to get in the way, you know what happens all the time. But God ultimately desires his will to be done in his people. And when we throw up our hands, we say, Lord, we don't know what to do, we don't know how to go about this, we say, Lord, lead us, use us in our brokenness, the power of what God can accomplish among his people is profound. As Paul says it, immeasurably more than all we do or ask. We might think, man, Lord, wouldn't it be great if you did this? And God's saying, wouldn't it be great if I did this? Because you're thinking too small. You're thinking only this way. That this is only what you can do. What can I do? Immeasurably more. You know, it's amazing how that works and, and when God has his way among us do immeasurably more than even we could imagine. I was reading further here, Ephesians 4. Paul's writing from prison. It's where he says, that's a prisoner for the Lord. And Why is he in prison? He's in prison because he can't help but speak about Jesus as his Savior. And he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Be completely humble and gentle. 
Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, what a thought when we consider God can do anything. Anything is possible, immeasurably more. And Paul immediately turns his thought and he says, now may it be true for each of us. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you receive. I mean, that's just an intriguing phrase to me. What does it mean to live a life that's worthy of the calling we receive? Is Paul saying, okay, live a life that if you're good enough, you will obtain heaven? Is, is that what he's getting at? Well, certainly not, for it's by grace we've been saved through faith. This is a gift of God, not by works. Certainly not what he means. What does he mean that live a life that's worthy of our calling? It's to take a deep reflection and say, Lord, if you've been willing to do all of this for me, and if I've been redeemed by Christ crucified, if you've forgiven me and loved me even when I didn't deserve it, and you put me in a place where I've been given gifts and abilities and time and, and, and resources, Lord, what would you do with that? What would it mean to live a life that is worthy of the Lord? Now, certainly there's spiritual implications of this, that you know, being humble, as he says, and, and being people who, who are gentle and patient and loving. And, and certainly there's characteristics and the fruits of the Spirit lived out in the lives of God's people. But there are also aspects of that of what are we doing with that, with which, with which we've been entrusted. Living a life worthy of the calling we receive. Think of some amazing examples in our ministry here. About a year ago, we were praying about this in the area of shared life. And, and you think about what, what's that all about? It's about people realizing they're not alone. We can be a, a large congregation, and the bigger we become, the smaller we need to be. And thinking of ways to connect people to know the Lord and to know they're not alone in their journey. And, and I was one of our established share life groups is something called Grief Share. And, and I remember even talking about that in a, in a planning meeting where we're praying and saying, Lord, continue to bless that ministry. And, and what would that look like for a ministry like that to continue to not only grow, but also what are other shared life ministries that we're not even thinking about yet? And, and I think of how Linda Baroli, if you know Linda, and, and how God has used her life to make a difference through our grief share ministry. And, and just... I'm thinking a year or two ago, I remember walking past when that group would meet, and there maybe could be four, maybe five people around a table. Yesterday morning when I was arriving here, I, I look in the library, and, and, and they, they were out of chairs. I mean, they had, there was over 20, 30, 25 people in there. And I'm like, wow, um, talk about connecting with the need in our community people who have lost a loved one, people who are grieving and letting them know they are not alone and that the love of Jesus is still with them in this time. We've been praying too, wouldn't it be amazing if God would raise up other ministries like that and not knowing what those might be. And I remember too that um, some months later, somebody who's out of work approaches us and says, do you think 
we could start something for those who are going through hard times who are out of work or underworked and, and, and start a ministry like that and we put an announcement and all of a sudden we got people coming out of the woodwork, somebody who is a, a, a recruiter and, and, and a, a business executive and who is also in human resources and we got people who stepping forward who had gifts in this area and they said, hey, we'll be part of that and, and now we have this changing lives, changing careers ministry that is up and running and making a difference in the lives of people in very practical ways but reminding people prayerfully that they're not alone in their struggle. I'll give you another example. Carrie Norton. Carrie, some time ago, said, do you realize that many people with children who have special needs are unchurched? And, and she started to explain this, and the research shows this, that many families that have kids with special needs, when they get to a certain age and they no longer are old enough or they're too old to be in a nursery, these families start to just drop off and, and not attend worship. And I've heard statistics as high as 90% of families with special needs kids don't worship anywhere. And she had this passion. She says, as a family who understands this, we want to do something about this. And teaming together with Steve Wilson, and, and they now have a support group that meets every Wednesday for other families in our community uh, with children with special needs. They get together and they support one another, pray for one another. And now the planning is, how can we carry out ministry in the future for families with special needs kids? And what we found out is there's only one other church in the entire area that's even thinking about this. We have an opportunity to impact the kingdom for Christ because someone said, I've got a passion for this. I think that's a lot of what this means, living a life worthy of your calling. God's given you gifts. He's given you experiences. He gives you opportunity to do with that what God would have us do. I brought up Peter Harris before in years past, and I continue to be excited about what's happening in our ESL ministry and how every week on Tuesdays and Fridays, 40 to 50 internationals from the community from all around the world gather on our campus to learn English as a second language. And how about a year and a half ago, a group of those international students, a Buddhist, a Hindu, an, an atheist, a Muslim, <laughs> and a Christian, asked Peter Harris if he would lead them in a Bible study because they wanted to learn something about Jesus. And I still remember the day Peter walking into the office saying, I've never led a Bible study. Who am I to do something like that? And say, oh, you'll be fine. Here's some tools here. You've got to, you've got to lead this thing. And... And well, Peter, some of you know, he was gone out of town for about two months over, over uh, the winter. And Pastor Steve and I filled in for that Bible class that averaged around uh, anywhere from 8 to 12 internationals in the Bible class itself. And, and uh, as soon as Pastor Steve and I started leading it, I'm thinking, man, we're going to we're pastor team going into this. We're going to grow this thing like crazy. I went to the international classes and I said, hey, we're going to be teaching this. We'd love to have you join us. And I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. This class is going to grow. When Peter gets back, it's going to be, wow. And, and uh, you know what? Within about four weeks, it was down to two. And, and then it was down to one. And then Peter came back, and he started leading the class again. And about a week later, I had a chance to talk to him. And I said, I am just so sorry. I think Pastor Steve and I ruined the class for you. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, because I know there's only like two people that come anymore. And he's like, what are you talking about? The room was filled when I was there this first time back. And I realized 
God has given him a blessing. And, and it's not about a pastor teaching it. It's about God putting his blessing on someone's life to say, I'm going to use you and the calling you've received to make a difference in Jesus' name. You hear what I'm saying? And, and the question is, what is, how has God equipped you? You know, whether that is, as we've already mentioned, some of these support groups, whether that is, uh, I think, uh, Sue Wood and her gift for cooking and, and her gift for planning and, and her ability to engage our community and the Hope Center in, in Pontiac or the involvement she has had with others there as well as in the city in Detroit at Family of God and, and the resources that God has provided to you. We basically helped rebuild the kitchen of the new facility they moved in this past year. Or think of Mary McCollman, who stepped forward. There she is. I'm putting you on the spot this past year and says, I would like to raise up a team on a monthly basis to go and serve at St. Paul in, in Pontiac, where she'd been involved. She says, could I do that? I'm like, absolutely. And, and see, God stepped forward through his people. The calling we received to be faithful. I think as somebody who hesitantly sat down with Pastor Steve and I back in January and explained to us, her name is Ashley, and she'd been leading modern praise worship, and she says, I, I have been given an opportunity, and I've prayed about it, and I believe the Lord is leading me to join a secular band and tour with them to share the love of Jesus in places where God isn't always present. I, I really believe God has equipped me to do this. And she says, I'm worried the perception many people will have is they won't get it. I'm really worried about that. And uh, it was true. There were people that had a hard time with her decision to do this. And yet it, it's amazing that even yesterday just talking to her of the doors that God continues to open, the conversations she has had. And one of the, the moments where she brought one of the band members from a secular band and, and asked her to come and worship with us one weekend. And she was here talking to this girl who grew up in Romania and hasn't been in church since she was a four-year-old girl and seeing her after worship in tears, almost shaking in the presence of God and realizing that she too is loved by the Father in Jesus. And, and talking to her saying, I, I've never experienced anything like this. I had no idea. Or to hear Ashley tell about her interactions with people and talking to a guy who, with body piercings and tattoos and, and, and finding out that she's involved in a church where she uh, sings and plays and, and shares the love of Jesus. And he's like, really? They, they let people like us in the churches? I, I, I'd never be welcomed in a church. And that opened up the conversation to talk about Christ with this man. As Ashley said, he looked, she looks at Pastor Steve and I and she says, you would never have that conversation with this guy because he'd never give you the time of day. He said, but I sense God has given me opportunity to go where others can't go and share the love of Christ. You know, how has God equipped you uniquely to be worthy of the calling you've received? I know this, sometimes we think God could never use me. I, I'm not smart enough, I, I'm not theological enough, or I, I don't know what to say or what to do. I don't have skills, I don't have gifts. Yeah, you do. And I want you to pray about this. Lord, what would you have us do in this coming year to be your church as you're having your way among us more and more? Where are your passions? 
where this area is where you say, wow, I could make a difference in Jesus' name in that way. And step forward and do it. And to know your church, the ministry of St. John is behind you as God continues to lead us in the different facets of ministry here to make that eternal difference in Christ's name. And I love how Paul says it here. According to what? The grace Christ has given to each of us or the ways of worship. It's going to look different for each of us. We're called to unity, not uniformity. God has made you unique. And God has uniquely equipped you to make a difference in his name. And he's having his way more and more. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. And we could go on and on here of the ways you're impacting the world for Jesus through the lives of your people. And Lord, those ways are different. Each of us is not wired up the same. We are unique. But what we share is your calling over us, the one spirit, the one faith, the one baptism, the one Lord and Father and Spirit over us all. Lord, we thank you for the unity that comes by being your people and the the presence of Almighty God that opens our eyes to realize that each of us matters and each of us is significant and each of us has a purpose to fulfill in your church. Lord, continue to guide us, whether it be on this campus, whether it be in our neighborhoods, whether it be in our workplaces, whether it be in our families, to continue, Lord, to live a life worthy of the calling in grace that we have received. And what a joy it is to live such a life by your power and your leading. In Jesus' name.